0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Corruption, greed, xenophobia, white supremacy, a nation in the grips of a pandemic, healthcare resources strained to their limits, an economy on the brink of collapse, and at the helm, a clueless con artist who cares more about his own re-election over saving lives. Join Liberal Dan Radio, talk from the left that's right live Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan at 24-7 at liberaldan.com. We must unite to save this country in spite of this buffoon's ineptitude before it's too late. That's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana, to join the conversation. It's area code 914-803-4131. That's area code 914-803-4131. You can also join us in the chat room on the episode page on blogtalkradio.com slash liberal Dan. Just sign up for your free Blog Talk Radio account, and you can Added your thoughts into the chat room as well as some listeners will do. Uh, if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. over on the show thread at liberaldan.com, on Facebook.com/liberaldan, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. And you could always listen to the minicast if you've run out of liberaldan radio full p- podcast to listen to. That's on Anchor, the Anchor platform. Uh, Anchor.fm slash Liberal Dan. And if you want to support the show, you can currently check out the Liberal Dan Radio Patreon. Patreon.com slash Shout out to uh, Deminox, the first Liberal Dan Radio Patreon. Thank you for doing that. Um, you know, if you're tired of hearing me shout out Deminox, you could go ahead and support too. And I'll give you a shout out as well. And also another shout out to uh, my little brother. Uh, Nimbus Yosh, the host of the most the Percy Podcast. Uh, check him out, too. It's definitely a podcast that's worth, worth listening to. I, uh, I think I have one to catch up on at this point. Uh, I said it to me the other day, and I've been a bit busy, but I will definitely be catching up on the Percy Podcast because it is good listening. So lots of things to discuss on today's show. Uh, we have, obviously, this show title is Gatesgate, uh, I usually am not a big fan of adding gate to the end of everything because gate was the uh, it was water gate motel. It was the water motel. You didn't create a water gate with the water motel. It was the water gate hotel that, where the problem was. That's why it was called Watergate. And, of course, everything now is, you know, whatever gate, you know, bounty gate for the saints when the saints had the bounties against whatever. And it's funny because I actually had – uh, I actually caught out for bounties to be done not, uh, just for winning and losing, like kind of like a charity bounty type thing. And, and then all, all of a sudden it came out that there were real bounties going on. I was like, oops. Uh, so, yeah, dad, it's, it's also like when you do things like, you know, I'm a chocoholic. Well, what's chocohol? Is, is that is that a real thing, uh, it's, it's You're an alcoholic because you're addicted to alcohol. It's Alcoholic would it be a chocolatic would be technically what you would want to call it, but nope. everything is a blank, aholic. holic, i am a tv aholic It's tv a Uh Today uh, you wind up having a lot of people speaking out uh, in the House of Representatives. Um, typically you don't hear from state's attorneys or attorneys in the state department or what have you. I forget who is actually giving the, their, their opinions, but, usually don't hear them speaking out, and they were speaking out a lot about the politicization of the Justice Department. And that's a big problem. Uh, that's, that's one reason of many that we need to reject Donald Trump in the fall, uh, because his government is corrupt. He was supposed to drain the swamp. That's what he said he was going to do. I didn't believe it, but he, he, he if he drained the swamp, he replaced it with a more swampier swamp. So, and one of many reasons that we need to reject uh, Orange Julius. Um, think of his whatever many whatever names you want to call him. Just go ahead and call him because he's just destroyed the reputation of the office of the presidency so bad, so bad with his demeanor, with his comments. You know, he, at the Tulsa uh, Corona Palooza, he was sitting there talking about. You know, he was using all the names that you've given COVID-19. And he doesn't know why, what the 19 is in COVID-19. Uh, it's the year, dumbass. It's the year that the virus actually sh- first showed up, 2019. <sighs> probably likes people that are younger than 19, and that's probably why. <laughs> that's a cutoff. I don't like anyone older than 19. Melania, I don't know how old Melania was officially when they first got married or first started dating. Um, that's one thing that you know. Do what? Uh, apparently, uh, Jim Jim not Jim Henson, John Henson uh, from Wipeout and another, I think, some other cooking show. Um, he made some comment about whether or not uh, Melania's uh, Father's Day is going to uh, let Baron know who his real father is. And from listening, I'm like, oof. But, and, and Melania was pissed. I mean, maybe she was pissed because she didn't want anybody letting the secret out. But Melania is, is married to the most immature person who does not, who is the first person who should be following her entire be best idea. And he's, his idea is be worst. So maybe start at home and work on having the president of the United States show a better example before you start worrying about a, a game show host. Yeah. So that's my feeling about that. Uh, you know, if I was, but what I pick on, you know, I don't think Barron, you know, and it really wasn't even talking much about Barron or the fact that, you know, none of us would blame Melania Trump if she sought sexual favors elsewhere and wound up getting pregnant by them and then trying to pass it back. No one would blame you, Melania. We understand that if, if you feel felt the need that you had to cheat on Donald Trump, it's fine. We don't we don't blame you at all. We wouldn't want to sleep with him either. Nobody really wants to sleep with him either. And of course I and everybody else thinking that they're all clever or making up jokes about how Donald Trump was lying about the size of The rally that he was going to have, and of course it wound up being much smaller than he promised. Typical men. Mm -mm -mm. What can you do? But at this rally that he had, we um, Donald Trump said something that was, you know, he he was constantly, several times at least, he's, he's discussed the whole thing about how testing. If you have more testing, you have more results. Like I, basically saying that testing causes the results instead of testing reveals that you have more cases. He thinks testing causes more cases because it's all about his show. It's all about sugarcoating everything. Again, if he he sugarcoats everything so much. We should have a diabetes nationwide. But he he cares more about how he looks as president. And he proved that at the rally when he said... Here's the bad part. When you, test a, when you do
2: testing to that extent, you're going to find more people. You're going to find more cases. So I said to my people, slow the testing down, please.
1: And why would you want to slow the testing down? Why would you want to do that? Because, does it make it more scientific? No, you want to have as many numbers as possible. You want to know where the virus is so you know how to fight it. But then his spokesperson and other people went all out on the news. Oh, he was just kidding. He really didn't mean that he asked people to slow down testing. And even Fauci came out and was like, well, I don't know anything about that. He Fauci claims that he was never told to slow testing down. Now, does Fauci... Maybe Fauci is telling the truth. Maybe Donald Trump never said to him, "Slow down testing." Maybe Fauci is lying because he understands that if he tells the truth, that he'll be booted, and he thinks that lying about this thing might be more beneficial to the country. And I'm not—I wouldn't blame him. he feels like, look, I'm going to lie about this thing and just say that I never heard anything about it because. Otherwise I don't get to do my work and my work is more important. If I have to I have to stroke Donald Trump's ego to do my work, then I'm gonna stroke Donald Trump's ego. Unlike Melania, who has to stroke other things against her will.
3: <laughs> Mr President, at that rally when you said you asked your people to slow down testing, were you just kidding, or do you have a plan to slow down testing? I don't kid. Get-
1: he doesn't kid, folks. All of his people out there were saying oh, he was just joking. Were you kidding? I don't kid. I don't kid. I don't. I don't kid at all. I wasn't joking. I was serious. I told them to, to slow down the testing because I don't like how it makes me look. If I was president, any good president wouldn't care about the, how the numbers are revealed because a good president would say, we're going we're gonna to get as much data as possible and then let the experts tell us what to do once they learn information from that data. But that's not Trump, because Trump was like, oh, we have 15 cases. We have 15 known, again, as I said, we have 15 known cases, but he just, we have 15 cases and it'll disappear like a miracle. When's that miracle happening, Donnie boy? When is that miracle happening? happening i don't know nobody knows because guess the, the miracle's not happening because you can't rely on a miracle to save you from the rona or any other pandemic you need evidence-based information to be able to make the best decision possible to be able to help the most people possible but donald Trump doesn't care about how many people die he wants to we have people we've, there's stories out of florida now saying that florida is Shielding their numbers and lying about their numbers so they can move on to phase three, even though they're not really not ready to because they're, they haven't followed social distancing properly. We're probably going to shut down again because people are too stupid. Again, two Americas, one America who believes that masks, think that masks are about protecting yourselves and as such, they're not afraid. I'm not afraid of no virus. I'm not going to wear no mask. You can't force me to. That's against my freedom. You know, the people who care about other people who understand the fact that wearing a mask is not about protecting yourself, it's about protecting others. I I was having a discussion earlier today on Facebook with somebody who claims to work in a lab and was like, you know, I'm all about PPE trading. this I'm like, look, working in a lab with viruses is completely different than walking in your local Costco. It's too, if, if you have a virus that's, that breaches containment or whatever you want, like however you would officially call it, in a lab, yeah, you better hope everyone's wearing full body of, you know, head to toe PPE. But someone coughs at Costco, you just need them to basically have their, their mask on, and you'll prevent most of everything from being released from the, behind that mask. So, But he, not even, he, he gets it. I don't even believe that person works in a lab. Because it just, it's just so stupid. Anyway, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. Come back and take your calls as well. 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan radio minicast. Alright, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan radio minicast you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say. Sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio Minicast. Talk from the left, that's right.
4: And I think to myself What a wonderful show. Mm, yeah
5: Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh Catch you on the tunes.
1: Would you like to support Liberal Dan radio? Would you like a shout out on the podcast or the minicast? Would you like to purchase advertising or sponsor a bit like Hypocrite of the Week or Words of Redneck Wisdom? You can even sponsor the whole hour. Then become a Liberal Dan Patreon. You can help me grow my audience, and for a limited time, first hour advertisers will lock in their rates. For the life of the podcast, head on over to Patreon.com/LiberalDan and support the show today. And welcome back to Liberal Band Radio. Hawk from the left, that's right. This is your host Dan Zimmerman coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, seracode code nine one four eight zero three forty thats four eight zero three forty one thirty one. 803 Before the break, we were talking about the uh, coronavirus and the COVID and all that other stuff and the rally and Trump's rally. Uh, his Corona, Corona Palooza, as some people are calling it. And I, I had the misfortune of, of watching something that was tweeted from Cal Perry about, about seven days ago with people who are already starting to line up to Corona Palooza. And I had this—I don't know—if it was a family or a church group—and um—and I can just hear the the, the voices in my head, which is they could, you know, just go Trump, twenty twenty, go Trump, and you know, it's just, ugh. But and they're singing the re election songs. I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm questioning if they're his kids or not. I'm just going to put it like that simply because I think he might just be a youth pastor leader. I don't know. I don't know who they are. I really don't care to know who they are, but uh, the volatile mermaid on Twitter. Oh, at, oh no, she twitten. She she posted that and was like, that it's called Steely Clan. And I just about died. Um, and then, of course, I started trying to come up with, with some of my own uh, Snowflake Patrol, The Klan Band instead of The Dan Band, but that might be a stretch unless you've watched come up. Will Ferrell movies. Um, I was like, wait, Simple Minds? No, no, that's taken. Uh, White Town? No, that's that's taken too. Can't have White Town. Disinformation Society. That works. Those are my my suggestions. But then there were two others that were just amazing. Besides Steely Clan, which is great. Aryan Ant Farm. Hilarious. And that's uh, at Gless G.A. Paul. Paul Dixon on Twitter. At Gless G.A. Paul. And then at Mark Just Mark OK. Uh, Came up with, let's see, he came up with e- E-W-O Electric White Orchestra, which is good in and of itself, but then he came up with Mike Pence, none the richer, at winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, at Mark, just Mark okay, on Twitter. So there you go. A little shout out to you, just for being funny. So, there's something else. I wasn't actually planning on discussing this today, but it came in late, but I'm like, you know what? I need to discuss this, because it involves Jeff. Jeff crew from ringside politics and wgso radio here in new orleans louisiana again jeff super nice guy to me when i was running for congress way back in 2004 and, and I, I i can't not be grateful for that but oh my god he's just getting worse and worse and worse and i could probably put my finger on when he started getting worse and worse and worse 2016 wonder why that is hmm, i don't know what, what, what could be that reason? Maybe it's because of Trump or could it be Satan? You know, I don't know, some, some of you listening, I hope you understand that. So they want to have a July 4th rally. I, I guess the Tea Party wasn't enough. Now they have to so-called save America.
3: And in response to the protests and push to remove Confederate symbols and names, a local couple is planning what they're calling a Save America rally. Now that's scheduled for the 4th of July, but as Tom Drung reports, the location of that rally is being kept a secret. With this rally, it's time for people to come out.
1: Come out. Okay. I guess I added that a little weird. Time for people to come out. Okay. Fabulous. No. Um, Yeah. I they She called them a couple A couple of what? I don't know A couple of radio show hosts I, I, I thought Jeff was married And I didn't think he was married to Mimi Maybe I'm just missing that But I mean if they are
0: together They deserve each other Oof So let, let's go to clip two Mimi Owens and Jeff Cruer admit The Save America rally that they're planning Will address many issues
5: It's not just one issue It's all sorts of things that we see under attack. Our economy, our culture, our history, our traditions, and our law enforcement.
0: Owens and Crew Air are conservative talk radio hosts. They say their views on what constitutes racism and police brutality make them targets, especially in the current wave of social change. Now, Jeff believes that law
1: enforcement is under attack.
0: I don't know if law law enforcement
1: is attacking others, and that's the problem. You know if you support the status quo, then, then yeah, you're going to see that change is going to be happening, and you don't know you're not going to like it because you support the status quo, but the status quo is not good enough. But the economy is enough. The economy is under attack. It's the coronavirus that is causing us to have to look at things and, and put lives ahead of money. Jeff just want to put lives ahead of money. Jeff wants to. What does he want to do? He wants to. Uh, he wants to wear um, never wear a mask because to him, it's about freedom. It's freedom, freedom to wear the mask or not wear the mask. He's like, if you want to wear it, do But if you're afraid, I'm like, it's not about me being afraid. It's, it's it's so pathetic. It's sad and pathetic that they have to repeat the same line over and over and. Over. At least try to come up with something original. I try and word my arguments. Yeah, maybe they sound a lot like other arguments that are made, because a lot of people say, because cause I'm listening to experts and I'm following my network, But for the love of, ugh, come up with some own unique, I, you know, if I didn't think I had unique things to say, I wouldn't have this podcast to begin with. I'd go find something else to do. But, and even then, it's, you know, once a week and whatever, but. You have to have some originality, and there's none, because they're all saying the same stupid, and the same thing is the same stupid thing.
0: They say they're fed up and not alone.
1: There's a silent majority of people that
5: really agree that this country is worth saving and a great country. And I think the people that are tearing
1: down statues and tearing down things that we hold dear are a small, violent group of people. See, here's the thing. It's like... If, you're, if you like America and think America is great, I thought you didn't think America was great. I thought you wanted to make America great. You can't make America great if America's already great. So if you think America's great, think America's worth saving. I think a lot of people do think America's worth saving, but you have to save it. You have to save. They're, they're, they're not saving it. They're they're protecting, destroying it. Because that if you allow the status quo, you'll destroy it because you're going to wind up killing people because a the virus, b you know. You're kill, indiscriminately killing black people just because they're black, because the data shows that the only thing, the only factor that comes into play when it comes to whether or not a police is going to shoot somebody is if they're black. That's the, that's the difference in, in, in the disproportionate killing of black people to, to white people.
0: Across the country and here in New Orleans, there's a renewed push to get rid of Confederate symbols and influence. Claire and Owen say that must stop. You know they're going to try to bring down the Jackson statue, and and that's one of the most
1: iconic uh, images in the Gulf South.
0: A few weeks ago, there were calls for the Jackson monument.
1: To- now, I don't know if that was a bad edit on their part, because Andrew Jackson is not a Confederate monument, but Andrew Jackson, in and of itself, has problematic, you know, the Trail of Tears and everything. So. Maybe maybe you pick presidents to protect and statues to protect that aren't, you know, so supportive of such terrible people, you know. And look, the other day on Facebook, I shared a post where maybe like five when when the when the whole take them down all the things started, I wasn't convinced. I was like, look, these things are pieces of art. I was like, look, they're pieces of art. And should we bring them down? I don't know if we should bring them down. I don't know what, what purpose it might have. Maybe put, a, maybe put a plaque next to them to help explain the context of why they're there. But then you learn, and you, and you sit there, and you listen to people, and you learn, and you realize the context of why these statues are here, it's, it's not to teach history. It's to pay homage to traitors to this country, to people who felt that it was so important, was so important to be able to keep slavery that they had to kill American citizens to do it, and these are the people that they want to venerate, they want to honor? No, stupid. Let them keep their second place trophy. The only Confederate flag you should be waving is the flag of surrender because that's the flag they ultimately flew. Because they surrendered, they gave up, they lost. The show Friends was on TV longer than the South existed as a confederacy. Other shows even even were quicker. You know, had shorter shorter lifespans lasted longer than the Confederacy. But one thing I do want, I did want to say, I wanted to separate this audio out from the rest of it, because right as they were saying that there was a renewed cause to tear down the statue of Andrew Jackson,
6: <laughs> we can't get no satisfaction until
4: we take down Andrew Jackson.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I am one to applaud cleverness, people who are clever, whatever you want to call it, I have one. Oh, look! Bring your boys in the chat. Hey, man, what's going on? Um, I, look, you know, I under, there there's definitely a difference in wanting to tear down Lee and you know Jefferson Davis and the people who again felt that owning slaves was so important that they had to kill American citizens to continue doing it. There's a difference between that and and bringing down Andrew Jackson. I'll fully admit that it's. it's One is about not keeping up statues that pay homage to, again, traitors to the United States of America. Another is a more, yes, Andrew Jackson. (laughs) Hello, Dan. How's the greatest Trump supporter doing? Let me tell you, my my support for Trump has never changed from day one. (laughs) My support for Trump now is the same as it's ever been. MAGA. Ugh. it's so dumb. Donald Trump is, he can't even keep his slogans right. The slogan this time is supposed to be keep America great because that's the wording that you want to have. Because if you don't, if you don't have it make America great, or if you still have it make America great, you're admitting that he failed. So he was, they had printed out signs from China, you know, at least before the, the COVID started and then it said keep America great. So yeah, but if you go to watch the Tulsa footage, it's Make America. They can't make up their mind. <laughs> so but no, back to Andrew Jackson, you know, he's obviously he was an American citizen, an American president. So so there they probably there's probably gonna be a little bit more pushback on tearing down Andrew Jackson statues than there will be on taking down Lee and PC Beauregard and, and Jefferson Davis etc. But but he's still, you know, why are you paying homage? Why should we be paying homage to racists? Why should we be paying homage to people who ups, who, who did horrible things? Oh, but they did good things as if you know, that's, that's the same conversation I have with people who are defending the police a bunch, which is that's, oh, but the police do good things too. like, well the, the good things police do. Are are not get out of jail free cards. They're not things that justify other actions. You could be a good person ninety five percent of your life. If you murder somebody, you murder somebody, and you have to pay for that. No amount of good that you did. Oh, but he was so good with kids. Yeah, Michael Jackson was so good with kids ninety five percent of the time until he molested them. Yeah, it, it's not how it works. But let, let's hear the let's hear the chant again because I. I really liked the chant.
6: We can't get no satisfaction. Until
4: we take down Andrew Jackson.
6: We can't get no satisfaction. Until we
4: take down Andrew
1: Jackson. I, again, kudos to you for whoever brought that put that together. Short, quick, clever, bravo. So anyway, let's continue on with part, clip six of seven
0: that I have split up here for uh, Jeff Kowar and Mimi Owens. I think this is Mimi talking. Rally is scheduled for July 4th, but for now, they're not revealing its location
3: because of uh, impending threats, which happen. That's part of the silencing. Um, we are not going to announce a location or a time until next week.
1: See, first of all, I want to know what these threats are. I really want to know what threats they've received. I'd love to see them. I, I hope that if they're violent threats, that threatening to you know hurt. Jeff or Mimi, that they reported to the authorities. But still, like, it's it's just, if you announce it next week, the internet moves fast. It's not like the people who want who would want to, if there are shenanigans that are supposed to, supposedly going to happen, it's not like the people won't be able to plan something real quick. The internet's quick. The internet's fast. People on the internet know how to do things and get things done rather efficiently. So, if people are going to cause shenanigans, they're going to cause shenanigans, regardless of when you announce it. You can announce it the day of. You can be like, you know, buy your tickets, but we're not going to say where it is until the day of. And then we'll announce it real quick. People will know. People will know, and then people will show up, and then people are going to counter protest your protest because it's you're, it's ridiculous. Hey, reactionaries, to join the conversation as well. Welcome to
0: the chat. Uh, and part seven. If difficult conversations about race, policing, and privilege need to be had, Crueyr and Owens are proud to be what many would consider the other side of those debates. Of course they are.
1: Uh, but here's, I think Mimi Owens in the last clip talked about people calling her names, people calling her a white supremacist, people calling her a, a Nazi or whatever. I mean, I haven't seen her with the swastika, so I don't know whether or not... You know, she is a supporter of their, but she, if if she was taking part in marches that included or protests that included people who were white supremacists and Nazis, like the people in, in Charlottesville were. Look, because if you, if you are marching in a, in a parade and that parade includes Nazis and you know it, guess what? You're going to be considered a Nazi too because you're known by the company you keep. But as to a white supremacist, I mean, Mimi Owens is. If I'm, let me let me pull up the the name of the group or the page. I think it's called Forever Lee Circle on Facebook. I need to check. I need to contact one of my friends because I just saw that she's making something delicious. That's possible that my wife could eat too because my wife has to be gluten free. Um let's see. Where's the groups? Hosts from any groups. Let's see. Forever. Not coming up. Anyway, so uh Rock and Ball host, hosted uh white supremacists at their rally. Uh, at something and the people who were tried they created these forever lee circle beads which are throws from floats um, that said uh forever lee circle on them which included Robert e. Lee on top of it and forever lee circle on the bottom and there was muses band members for throwing forever lee circle floats beads from the floats during Mardi Gras and the person who was responsible for that uh, was Mimi Owens. Mimi Owens is responsible for Forever Lee's circle. And maybe maybe I can't see it because maybe Mimi blocked me on Facebook. It's a possibility because she really didn't like what I had to say on uh, on Facebook before. Let's use the – there's also the page for the, their – their joint uh, collaboration. He said, she said, with Ms. Wright, Mimi Owens, and, and Jeff Gra. Apparently there was a issue where they were being called the, the Right Chicks or what have you. Hey, Suzette, how's it going? In the chat room, too. Look at that. Um, what, what happened to bringing a boy? Did, did you kick him out? Did you frighten him away, reactionaries? Um, tisk tisk. Anyway, so they have a show on here on WGSO together on top of the show that Mimi Owens. Had. I want to say that Mimi Owens potentially uh, um, blocked me on Facebook, and that's why I can't see Forever Lee Circle group or uh, her page in, in and of itself. But I can see uh, her, the show page. Once it is another thing. Save America rally, 4th of July. Things are coming together, folks. Our countries, heritage, culture, society, police, prosperity are under attack. I decided to name the rally, quote, Save America to um, include all of these aspects. And so that's interesting. It's going to be on July 4th, not be a march, but a stationary event. i are going to sell paper. Uh, sorry, that joke. Uh, live music, speakers, and food. It will not be in the French border. We want to keep everybody safe. Who knows? I'm assuming it's going to be on the North Shore to keep it, you know, as, as maybe Covington or Mandeville because they probably want to keep it as white as possible because, you know, again, the people call her a white supremacist, but there's a reason why people call her a white supremacist because she talks like a white supremacist and she acts like a white supremacist. So walking and talking and acting like a white supremacist, people are going to call you a white supremacist. So, whatchamacallit, what else we got? So, there's that. So, that, 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 those are all the clips that I have for the Save America um, event that's going on on July 4th. And we'll, maybe a few more, I, I doubt uh, that I will attend. I would love to be able to go as a fly on the wall. Maybe I'll, I would go and just be socially distant from the rest of the group just to see what goes on but at the end of the day I you know I do have to take care of my wife and my kids and my wife does have uh she's taking a medication that's enabled that causes her to uh be more susceptible to the virus so as such I do um need to how does a white supremacist talk and act uh Suzette asks in the chat and sent me a private message. I think this is the first message that um, I've gotten from anybody privately and the private message is currently covering up the the uh, rest of the chat so I can't see the rest of the chat unfortunately. So we will try. And, oh, there we go. I can move it. There we go. Oh, bringing a boy is your husband. Ah, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, that expl- that. I mean, that doesn't explain a lot, but you know, at least Know why you both listen. So that's good. In a family that listens to liberal band together stays together, I suppose. Uh, so, anyway, how does the white supremacist walk and act? Um, I don't know, by supporting white supremacy, by, by ignoring the concerns of, of uh, Black Lives Matter, by saying all lives matter as a retort uh, to the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, not understanding that it's silencing and not understanding the fact that there are disproportionate uh, deaths. Um, 3.5 times more unarmed black men are likely to be killed by police than white unarmed men um, by police. Uh, In the studies that the the people that studied that information also said that uh, race in that circumstance was the determining factor. You have more black people and brown people. Black Latino folks are being pulled over more often simply for being black. and even though when, when their car and certain have their cars searched and if their cars are searched, um, you know, they're less likely to hit on contraband than the white cars, but still the black cars are searched more, the cars owned by black people are searched more. Um, they had a case, I think, uh, I forget the name of it off the top of my head, I've just talked about it the other day, but it was a case where it was determined that the, the, the police officer pulled over. The individual, uh, and probably for another DWB driving while black, and you had uh, they, they, they claimed that the reason that the car was pulled over was because they had violated the law by having a broken taillight. Well, in the state that you're in, having one broken taillight is not enough to pull somebody over, you need both taillights broken. The cop didn't know this, and the cop still pulled them over, searched the car, found the contraband, the person was found guilty. The police officer was found to be, have acted reasonably because it didn't matter that he didn't know the law. It was that he was, as long as he was acting under on good faith, he in good faith pulled the person over, even if they didn't know. Let's see. So you're saying that if you all, if I say all lives matter versus black lives matter, that I would be a, oh, well, you'd be if you would be you would be talking like a white supremacist. I mean. And people are going might assume that you're supporting white supremacy by kind of using that talking point to the all lives should matter you know we will we, we'll agree that all lives should matter and that's what people in a black lives matter movement will say but there's implied words there you know all lives should matter um, it's not implied by the all lives matter folks but Black lives should matter or black lives matter too, because the way that our system operates, what they're complaining with by saying black lives matter is they feel that the system does not treat black lives as if they matter. So it's, it's just, it's the same thing. Whereas, you know, if you see a burning building and, and this is one that gets used a lot, but I like it. So I use it too. If you see a burning building uh, and you, you go up to the fire, fire department and uh, the fire department says, well, you know, we're putting this house, the fire out in this house, because this is the house that's on fire. And then it comes around and it says, oh, well, well, my house matters too. Well, sure. Yes, your house does matter. But it has nothing to do, has nothing to do with the fact that that house is currently on fire. So that's where we're focusing our efforts on that house. Because at the moment, that's the house that, that, that has problems. So, to try being a biker if you want to look, you know, and, and every time there, there has been police that have killed white people too. And I was in a, on a Facebook group and they're like, well, what about this white guy that was killed? Again, forget the name. I, I, I've, as I said, on my Facebook page, you know, I've, I've, I've forgotten the names of some of the, if you asked me to name a whole bunch of all of the black people that have made the news that have died at the hands of police brutality recently and have not received justice for their deaths, uh, I would probably forget some because there's so many, and I forget other names as well. So there was one, and why didn't these Black Lives Matters folks talk about this person? This white person was shot by the police and shouldn't have been. First of all, they did, and it took me about a minute or less to go find the the tweet from D. Ray McKesson, one of the leaders in the Black Lives Movement, uh, to to show that... this person should not have been killed by the cops and this is an unjust killing. So it took me just like this to find out that black lives matter will speak out against other lives getting killed as well. Um, are they not included when I say all that's not the point though. The point is that the focus is on the burning building. You know, the, the building is burning. You don't need to talk about the houses that are not burning. You need to talk about the houses that are burning. So if, if you have then there's evidence, and there's data showing that you know when we had stop and frisk in you know New York City for say or even other places, it was shown that like ninety to ninety five percent of the people who were stopped and frisked were black and brown people, even though that was not the racial makeup of the area of the city, but they were focusing it on black and brown people so wh- why do that because You're harassing black people. You're creating altercations with black people. And then, you know, you you have, um, I've I've shown videos where you had a a white man in the middle of a park who went back to his car to get a gun and started waving a gun around. And they sat there for minutes trying to negotiate with the person. And they still didn't kill him. They shot him eventually, but they didn't kill him. But, I mean, it took him a long time to pull that trigger. And you had a bunch of cops out there, and none of them pulled that trigger. Meanwhile, Tamir Rice is sitting in the middle of the park. Cops roll right up on him, shoot him, dead, immediately. And the cops then tried to say, oh, well, we tried to give him a warning. And then the video came out to show that that was a lie, that they gave no warning, that they rolled up and immediately shot the kid. Um, and, yeah, there, there is a people bring up the white people that have been killed again it's it's there is police brutality nobody's saying that white people are not victims of police brutality what we're saying is that it's disproportionate there's disproportionate police brutality and look if, if black lives matter gets their way and and, and they re, are able to reform policing and and look I know a lot of people have a problem with the idea of defund police or abolish policing a lot of people have problem with those terms because they feel that they Go too far. Well, let's say we're in a job interview. Let's say I'm going to a job interview, and let's say the job interview goes well, and somebody wants to offer me a salary. I'm like, okay, let's you know, let's talk salary. And let's say I want hundred thousand dollars a year is where I want to settle on. And the the the, the bo- person who's my potential boss goes to me, you know, okay, well, I'm going to offer you ninety thousand dollars a year. And I, do I say no? I want a hundred. No, I don't say that. I say. How about 110? I start from a point of the negoc- in the negotiations beyond what I'm willing to take in order to try and get what I'm willing to take. And that's what the other person's doing as well. But the other person says, I'll pay you $90,000. And you go, fine. You know, if I was a boss, you know, I, I would be like, well, unless the person was really valuable. I'm like, well, what's wrong with this person? They didn't even try to negotiate their their, their worth up. I actually view them as worth more but I'm trying to negotiate here. And okay, so I'm going to start lower than I feel that I'm willing to pay out. And then you work out at some point in the middle. So you're going to say things like defund police, abolish police, so you're, you're going to use those slogans. And look, there are some who will fly out and say, yes, I believe that we should get rid of all policing. And that's an extreme minority. The rest of the people want to reform. And in some cases, there are police departments that are just so corrupt that they need to be completely just taken away and replaced with some other structure that is still a police type structure and there are, there's discussions to be had on the roles that police are to have, but when you discuss, but when you're trying to negotiate to reach a middle ground, you don't start from the middle ground. You start from beyond what you would reasonably expect to get to, and, and then say, okay, well, I'll give up this and I'll give up this and I'll give up this and you get to that point. Um, but yeah, if the community is primarily white, black, Asian, then the amount of rest will be white, black, but this is like entire cities. This is entire cities where, you know, you, you have or and if you're looking at a nationwide statistics, you still see nationwide statistics, nationwide shootings. There were, I think, the, the graph that every conservative likes to show shows, I think it was like three hundred and eighty white people killed versus two hundred and seventy black people killed in twenty eighteen, roughly. So but you take those numbers in a vacuum, you're like, well, see more white people are killed than black people. So what's the problem? The problem is that there are about seven times more, six to seven times more white people in this country than there are black people in this country. So because of that, you end up having, you have disproportionate rates. And again, I've, I've, I've linked this study before, I, I, I'll, I'll do it again. Um, if uh, the, the, the data shows that the only thing, like it doesn't matter but the incidents of crime are. Let me read uh, from, from the excerpt in this one article. An independent analysis of Washington Post data on police killings, and this is referring to the study, when factoring in threat level, black Americans who are fatally shot by police are in fact less likely to be posing an imminent lethal threat to the officers at the moment they are killed than white Americans fatally shot by police. According to one of the report's authors, the only thing that was significant in predicting whether someone was shot and killed by police was that was unarmed was whether or not they were black. Crime variables variables did not matter in terms of predicting whether the person killed was unarmed. Uh, analysis of use of lethal force in two thousand and fifteen found no, no correlation between the level of violent crime in an area and the area's police killing rates. That finding um, Mapping police violence disputes the idea that police only kill people when operating under intense conditions in high crime areas. Mapping police violence found out that fewer than one to three black people come by police were suspected of violent crime or armed. How police determine who to stop? A report by retired federal and state judges tasked by the San Francisco District Attorney's Office to examine police practices in San Francisco. Found racial disparities regarding SFPD stops, searches, and arrests, particularly with black people. Um, found a disparity gap in arrests were found to have been increasing in San Francisco, yada, yada, yada. In San Francisco, although black people accounted for less than 15% of all stops in 2015, they accounted for over 42% of all non consent searches following stops. Uh, all Of all people searched without consent, black and Hispanic people had the lowest hit rates, i.e., the lowest rate of contraband or coverage. Whites were found to have contraband at twice the rate as black people who were searched without consent yet black people result in 42% of all non consent searches, even though they're only 15% of all stops. So I think police unions should be, but oh, there is a thing that we could probably agree on. Well, generally I do support unions. I think police unions uh, are a little bit too powerful um, and to do work to protect bad cops instead of just fighting to make sure that police have good salaries and good benefits, which is what they should be there for. And perhaps providing for defense if somebody under the police comes under attack, but you would, I would hope you would think that if you, know, you have all these good police that people are saying that exist, that they would want the bad eggs out. But in cities like Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, what What are the odds that if you have that that if corruption and and, and bad behavior on the part of police you know is supposedly as rare as people want to say that it is, what are the odds that all four of the people by George floyd were 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 the only bad cops in the city zero there's no that, that's not no way that that happens it 's more likely that the department is riddled with cops who either are willing to do bad things, enable bad things, or look the other way while bad things are happening. And you're not a good cop if you're looking the other way while bad things are happening. So, and and then then the other problem is, is that people will talk about, oh, well, this person was a criminal. There was a a, a video where you had a Black Lives Matter group counter-protesting against... I um, might even see you calling in there, so hold on a second. Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter um, group protesting a Trump rally a few years back, and most of the people who were on stage were saying, oh, just ignore them, don't pay them no mind, blah, 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 but one person was like, let's invite them to come up, and the person who was speaking on behalf of Black Lives Matter to the Trump rally got several cheers and several boos uh, from the crowd, but you know, the They brought up, I think Eric Garner was brought up um, because I think that was probably the most recent killing at the time. And the response by one of the women in the crowd was like, but Garner was a criminal. So he was selling a loose cigarette. That's not a justification of deadly force. And to bring this conversation all the way back to the beginning, where it started from, if you are making an argument in justification of police killing black people. And that includes, oh, that black person was a criminal or that, that area had a lot of crime. There's, there's very few things that should that justify the use of deadly force by police. And all of them should include that the person is a direct and immediate threat to the lives and safety of other people. That person is about to pull it, is pulling a knife on somebody, about to stab them, this person has a gun, and they're actually going to shoot some people, then you can use deadly force, and I'm not going to be critical of people. And even if the person makes a motion that makes you think that they're pulling a gun on you and they're not, yeah, that's that's okay as well. I'm not going to begrudge somebody for thinking that this action that's taking place is not a deadly one if it's if, if they're making it look like a deadly one. But Selling loose cigarettes is not an excuse to choke people out. Jaywalking is not an excuse to escalate to the point where deadly force has to be used. Having a potential $20 counterfeit bill is not an excuse to have your knee resting on, have a cop's knee resting on the neck for eight minutes until the person dies. So if you are going to be supporting, if you're going to be making, be making comments that is apologia for Police brutality against, you know, what winds up being disproportionate police brutality against black folks, then yes, you're going to be labeled probably as as somebody who is supporting white supremacy. And if you support a system of white supremacy, i.e., a system where white people, you know, are treated better than black people simply on the basis of their skin, then you're going to be deemed a white supremacist. So, that is what it is. So let's get to the phone lines. Hey, how's it going? Hello. Hello.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so we agree about the unions. That's good. Um, when unions were needed back in the day for safety purposes and for bargaining purposes, for wages and stuff, they were very useful. Um, you know, they weren't always on the up and up, but they were useful. And and now that we have government regulations for safety um, purposes in the workplace, they're not so much needed anymore. I think that, and in all cases, the teachers' union, the police force, um, you know, steel workers, I think it, um, it hinders the employer's ability to get rid of slackers um bad people you know as it were pertains to the police force um and that whole business about not a good cop not telling or you know or reporting a bad cop that's part of it because the unions um they promote the brotherhood they're all one and one for all and so you can't really call a brother yeah so it you know it's it's not so much in the police force but because of the unions i think and um, if they didn't have the unions, then there wouldn't be anything protecting bad cops. Because if you reported your buddy, your, let's say it was your partner that used over excessive force, then the union's going to come down on you. And that cop isn't going to get fired. He'll probably get moved to another district or suspended for a while, then moved to someplace else. And so now he's got to live with and work with, not live with, but work with uh, people that frown upon that you know, snitching or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> and so it makes for a bad hostile work environment. So, yeah, they need to get rid of the police union. Same with the teachers. You have pedophile teachers are just bad teachers um, that are protected by the unions. And they put on suspension and then put someplace else. And they just well, I to mean, just like
1: them. the church, just like the Catholic church. Catholic church, instead of punishing and, and getting molest, molesting priests put away, they just moved them to other parishes to give them fresh meat. So, right.
4: But, if you have, but they're but if you have not a union. A, just, they're not, not a union, but there's still,
1: still power structures in play that, that work to protect the people. And, and I don't know if, if the police union in, in and of itself went away. I don't know if that solves the problem because I think you'd still wind up having a lot of individuals, you know, who were in those unions who would kind of make these, well, behind the scenes de facto, like, well, we're still going to stick together. You know, I, I don't know if being in a police union, I think one of my callers or somebody else I spoke to about this pretty much confirmed my suspicions uh, What I'm talking about. You know, they had this one video, I think it was in New Jersey, and a police officer was screaming, stop reaching for my gun, stop reaching for my gun. Uh, and You couldn't see what was going on on his dash cam. All you heard uh-huh. was stop reaching for my gun, stop reaching for my gun. And then the other police officer pulled up in a car, and, and they came from the front. And so that, at that point, you had a dash, you had a police camera on the car pointing at the situation, and despite the fact that the officer was saying, stop reaching for my gun, stop reaching for my gun, there was no reaching for the gun happening. The, the person was not resisting arrest, and the police officer was basically lying. And it was my opinion, and it was pretty much confirmed to me by somebody else, that this is something that is taught by police officers to other police officers, maybe not officially, when it comes to coming um, out officially, and, and, and it, I think... One of the people who might have brought it up might be a New Orleans police officer who said that before uh, New Orleans was put under the consent decree uh, that this is something that was taught, you're either taught to shout, stop resisting, stop resisting, or stop reaching for my gun, so that you could have that on audio to give to give juries reasonable doubt um, supposedly uh, to, to say that, oh, well, that officer believed that his gun was being reached for, so therefore he was reasonable in using deadly force, because if he got the gun, then, there, then that would mean that he could be shot with the gun. So, yeah,
4: I and, and when, when, I
1: when in reality, that. it's not, she, when in reality, the person never reached for the gun. And then you end up having, so I, I think you have situations where I, I think, I don't think the unions, I mean, rein in the unions for, for the police union, for sure. Um, I'm not sure, you know, about the teachers union and protecting pedophile teachers. I'm sure it's happened. I'm not sure of how much of a um, epidemic or or pandemic that is, mm-hmm. but I mean, I you're free. I mean, email me some stories if you have information on 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 police or I'm sorry, teachers unions protecting pedophile teachers at a at a rate that is you know, I mean, anything above above zero is disturbing, sure. obviously. They but they a
3: segment on on 60 Minutes, as a matter of fact. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, as far as abolishing the police unions, this way, as far as that brotherhood, it starts to break that up. If you get rid of the police unions, so you have um, body cams, you have the dash cams, you have rules and regulations that say they must do everything possible to stay within those views. And and if these people are still where it's an iffy situation, um, then they'll be put on probation. If it happens again, then you know it's a pattern and you're fired. It's gone. We need to hire somebody else. And you start breaking up these... These brotherhoods of a um, police that you know are going to try and protect each other, but there's a pat, there's always patterns, and you just start cleaning house. And, but you, know, you need to go above and
1: beyond that too, because you need to, you need to not just do that. You need to kind of enforce some sort of way where if somebody is let go, uh, because they. Um, we're acting in, in a bad way that they need to be not be allowed to be picked up anywhere else because they're just going to continue their bad behavior. Other places. Furthermore, you have to
4: eliminate, to eliminate,
1: to eliminate to or at back. least alter the eliminate or alter the qualified um, immunity standards that are set up because there needs to be some way that, that families can get uh, compensation from bad actors. Um, and, and, you know, if, if it's shown that the person acted fine, um, that, that that's, you know, acted in good faith, then no, you, you can't get money from the person. But if, you know, if, if you if you can show that the person acted in bad faith, <laughs> that the person was not following policies protocols, and the person has a history of bad behavior, then yeah, you should be able to, you know, sue. And perhaps there should be insurance for, for, for police sure. as well. Uh, but, okay, but the but, unions but, get in
3: the way of those things, Dan. The unions get in the way of those things. There's like, okay, if you're going to start doing this step, then there's a no go and we're going to go on strike. And that's unfortunate because when you don't have unions, then you can do those things because now they're your employees and those employees can accept or not accept those terms. And they can, you know, if they don't, then they leave. Um, But the unions say, no, we're protecting everybody. And we don't like this because, um, you know, we don't want our guys to be sued left and right. And it's like, well, then you're saying that they're bad cops. No, we're not saying they're bad cops. We're just saying we don't like that part of the contract. They're always negotiating and, and, that blocks any type of hope for any type of police reform. And, and that's unfortunate, you know. I, and that's because they want to continue their union. They want to continue getting dues paid and their membership. And it's just so thick and twisted that I, I truly believe that that would be part of the solution, not all of the solutions, but part of the solution. It's the beginning of being able to, to do things um, to make Significant changes uh, within police reform because the unions get in the way. That's that's their job. <laughs> to well, their my other thing though is that
1: with unions is that is that I'm not I'm not ready to say that all unions should, as you were kind of saying, that all unions have, have gone without their, their usefulness uh, because you know a lot of times unions were there for for safety issues and I think that if unions didn't exist as, as a general rule, that you would you would wind up seeing businesses trying to creep back. And try and get you know take an inch, take a take a half a foot, take a foot, take a yard, take a mile. You know I think they would businesses would start going back to doing those things because we That's don't currently live in a We we don't have a system in place currently where in many sectors at least that that where the employer and the employee are on an equal footing, one to one. So so you basically if you're an employee. You, not protected by a union in such jobs, probably where there's uh, the price elasticity of demand is low I think I have that right um where you, where where demand is inelastic or i' i'm, I'm it, it, working it with employees and employer relationships because the support is depends where the supply is coming from is what I'm trying to say but the demand uh for the job um if, if you say, okay, well, th- if this one person says, okay, well, you didn't pay me a certain amount of money more than the rest of the people because I feel like I'm worth it, but there's a lot of substitutes. They're like, okay, we'll just pay this other person then. <clears throat> so the demand, so, so you wind up having an excess supply and as such, you can pay cheap wages as such people have less ability for bargaining power. So that's why I think with the price of el- price, elasticity of demand comes in. So in, this, in such cases where, where, you, where employees don't have bargaining power, uh, when it comes to those sort of things, that's when you need unions. And that's why businesses fight unions because they don't want to pay any more than they have to. But if you don't have a say, if you don't have the ability to negotiate with the the big guys, then I think that's where unions do play a very useful role. So um, let me go ahead. I'm going to put you on, on mute for a second. I'm going to take the next commercial break and grab a drink real quick. Um, and then we're going to finish up with the uh, last segments as well. So 914 That's nine one four eight zero three forty one thirty one. 803 This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen I'm to really his show. <laughs> There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family, means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I
4: think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah.
5: Greetings. This is Nemes Yosh. Catch you on the
1: Would you like to support Liberal Dan Radio? Would you like a shout out on the podcast or the minicast? Would you like to purchase advertising or sponsor a bit like Hypocrite of the Week or Words of Redneck Wisdom? You can even sponsor the whole hour. Then become a Liberal Dan Patreon. You can help me grow my audience, and for a limited time, first hour advertisers will lock in their rates for the life of the podcast. Head on over to patreoncom Dan and support the show today. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, talk from the left, that's right. This is your host Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's nine one four eight zero three forty one thirty one. It's nine one four eight zero three forty one thirty one. We are going a little long today. That's fine. Uh, We have the time to do so, and I can always adjust accordingly. Um, One point: a reactionaries in the chat room says the problem with suing the city with for what a cop does is the cop doesn't pay for it. It it is a good point. Uh, I do think both should be open for lawsuits. Both the city uh, for its negligence in training, uh, or for keeping on bad cops uh, longer than they should be kept on. I think there are definite culpabilities on the part of the city and the police department itself uh, where they have liability when it comes to it, but I think there's also liability individually, and that's where the qualified immunity comes in. Uh, Currently, it protects police officers from being sued civilly uh, for the actions that they take. Obviously, they can still be uh, brought under charges criminally, uh, but until very recently, seeing that happen was few and far between. I think uh, before the most recent killings that took place, I mean everything after um, Ahmad uh which wasn't directly a police killing, even though the guy was one of the guys was a former cop and they were just charged today. But after Ahmad Arbery, when you had you know George Floyd, you had um, from, from Brooks, I want to say um, Breonna Taylor. Actually, Breonna Taylor's killers are still not um, brought up on charges yet. The one has been fired. Um, you know, before all of that happened, um, you had you had very rare cases where police were even brought up on criminal charges. Uh, the Tamir Rice killer, he was not charged, uh, even though he lied in the investigation when he said, "Oh no, I I I, I gave warning." No, he didn't. Uh, the killer of Eric Garner, killer of um, John Crawford. I think the only person. In that I can read the, the what Sandra Bland she died. There's no nobody's been brought up on charges for that one for any sort of negligence, at least at the very least. Um, the only thing the other person I don't remember the name of the police officer in this case, but I believe uh, although it's Fernando Castile, his his killer was not charged. Um, and it was clear in, in that situation that person shouldn't have ever been a cop in the first place if he was that afraid of uh, the person the way he was acting ridiculous but uh um, laquan mcdonald uh his killing I, I think his killer did put up on charges but i think it's because of how many bullets was actually put through him <clears throat> the put we got to the point where it was just an obs- i mean you only need one bullet to kill and he used a lot more than that and then here's the, again the problem with with policing is that the police officers then showed up to the crime scene and started looking for uh, like the crime cameras or the cameras, the surveillance cameras, surveillance footage for, from the Burger King uh, and other places that were around the area. And they didn't do it to collect evidence. They did it because they wanted to hide the video evidence so they could protect their fellow cop. And that's, again, why, you know, Suzette was talking about, you know, banning of police unions. Did I, I, think you have, I think there has to be more. I think in some cases, I think the departments in and of themselves are corrupt. And, and that, that's why I think you need to have situations where you just tear down the entire department as a whole and just rebuild from scratch. Because, like I said before, if you have a bad relationship, if you're uh, if you have a bad boyfriend or girlfriend or what have you, um, and that, and you've just lost all trust in that person, the answer is to not. oh, I can fix him or I can fix her. No, that's not the solution. At, at some point, you got to cut bait and run. At some point, you got to say, look, this is not. I can't save this relationship. This, this this I have to kick this person to the curb and find somebody else who's going to be a better fit for me. And when the entire police department is 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 law has lost the trust of the community, it's time to cut the entire police department and replace it with something else. And usually that's going to be another police department, but it's maybe going to have different rules, maybe some of the functions of police departments uh, that current police departments have. Uh, Will we'll be put under other departments that are p- potentially better capable in handling those situations, like people dealing with homeless people that are not currently a violent threat to somebody else, dealing with drug addicts. If you have an overdose of a drug addict, do re- you have to send a police officer? Maybe you can just send the EMS out there. The person becomes a violent threat to the person and that they can back off and call the cops at that point. Um, so to keep... Um, drug overdoses or, or, or people that are high, keep that as a, or maybe a, a civil infraction that you can give a citation for, if that, or have the person get therapy or, or counseling that they need to help deal with the problems that cause them to be an addict in the first place, instead of trying to push people into uh, criminality um, when you don't have to, but because the problem is, is that you have, in a lot of the areas, you have these for-profit prisons who that benefit from funneling people. And these for-profit prisons in many places are able to donate to campaigns. And especially when you have campaigns of judges, uh, that when judges can run for office and take money from for-profit prisons, you then makes, makes you wonder, hmm, well, then why is this judge studying all these people? He had a case, I think, in Pennsylvania where a judge was found that he had been sending kids for like these little three-day trips to the prison, um for no reason other than you know okay well this is going to be a temporary thing while we work this out and nothing was there was no crime so there was nothing to work out but the prison still got the money for the three days that's why they can't that's why they donated to the guy's campaign um remember cop has no duty to protect you just to mop up and take this after the event and create revenue for the entity that they work for I, i mean i would argue that cops do have a duty to protect and serve they should if they if they don't that's probably one of the problems with policing. Uh, see, isn't it odd that the cities with the most stringent gun laws have the most crime? Well, problem with cities with stringent gun laws, and and I've, I'll make this argument um, before on the podcast. I'm gonna do it again. Is that I don't believe that cities, municipalities, or states necessarily should have the authority to make gun laws to begin with. In that, it's something that's a power that should be considered reserved for the federal government because the words in the Second Amendment say well-regulated militia, so it should be the responsibility of the government to regulate the militia and not individual cities, but the problem, even if you want to ignore the constitutionality of local gun laws, and, you know, yes, in some cases, cities and and states have the authority to go above and beyond what the federal government does, in cases where they do have the authority to do so, um, you have the situation where uh, if you have a city that's a discrete area small discrete area you know small in regards to the size of the country not necessarily because you have small cities and big cities and new york city is a big city but square mileage it's still small comparatively to the size of the united states of america so if you set up a if you set up a a city like people love to use chicago so let's use chicago you put gun strict gun laws in chicago well then, if the county outside of Chicago doesn't have those gun laws, then you could set up 1 foot outside of the city of Chicago, you can set up a a, a gun store and there have been studies that have shown uh, it's either Chicago or Cleveland, but there's there, there was there was a study that showed that a good portion of the gun crimes in the city of Chicago can trace their guns back to this one particular gun store because they don't have to they're not under the same requirements as the city that's 2 feet away. That's the pro- that's one of the main problems with with the regulation of gun sales by individual cities is that unless it's done statewide or even countrywide, you're not going to see much – you're not going to get a really good effect, in my opinion, when it comes to the regulation of the sales of guns. And I'll say, while people do have the right to bear arms, I don't know if you necessarily have the right to sell guns, and selling guns is something that should be regulated. Um during the transition, what happens when a robbery or domestic abuse or something else happens? Who do you call to put themselves in line to handle the situation? I don't think that you should have a play, case where you eliminate cops, have a vacuum until you get the cops back. That that that, that would be a bad plan. Um, you know, you should have something to to somebody to step in in the meanwhile. Um, maybe you work with the state police department and say, okay, here's the state police is going to take over for a second while we will, the city works itself out or some other thing, you know, some other solution that, you know, maybe you're going to say, okay, we're going to be doing this conversion process. And while we're doing the conversion process, you're going to have the old, these, you know, cops that are being let go, they're going to be let go via attrition. And then you're going to be coming back to this new system or something. I'm not saying that that's the absolute plan that you're going to do, but you, but I don't think it's, it's good to argue. Well, we can't do this because there's going to be a power vacuum because you should do it in a way that doesn't create a power vacuum. Um, yeah. You know, maybe a social worker is not a good idea. If there is current violence going on, if there's current violence going on then yes, you need to call a cop, but if there's no violence going on, if maybe if it's just yelling or if it's just, you know, a heated discussion, maybe, maybe you don't need to send an armed person there. Maybe you can say, look, you know, let's let's have a discussion about this. And maybe you have them reach out and say we would like to s- help you solve this situation before violence is reached. Create a situation where families who are in that situation families who are in there having their problems can feel free to come forward first and seek out the help instead of having to rely on on the government forces to do it after the fact when things become too late. Um So there's that. Let me go ahead. I do want to, you know, talk about one more thing in this show um, before maybe we come back. But at the end of the day, you know, we're going to be having this conversation about um, police and defunding the police for a very long time uh, to come. It's going to be probably a a big topic in the part of, of the discussion of the campaign for president, for Congress. Uh, for the next Congress, because I don't think the Senate's going to do it, going to do anything that helps you know, states, municipalities, are going to be having these conversations. You have Minnesota who did come out and say that, you know, in Minneapolis they're, they're going to take some action. We're going to see what those actions are going to be, and we're going to discuss them as they happen. So but before, you know, I did extend the show to the end of the full hour, but I might not make it last that long if I can get through everything else. Um, the, the other thing I did want to talk about, is the whole um, Gates Gate, as, as the title of the show states, Gates Gate. Um, and what do I mean by that? So you have Matt Gates, congressman from Florida, um, and he was involved in an argument with Cedric Richmond on the uh, on the call. I see you're calling in uh, with with a comment or a topic. Let, let me. We'll we'll get to you first, and then we'll we'll go to Gatesgate gate in a second. So, what's going on? Hello, caller. You there? Hello. Oh,
4: can you hear me now?
1: Yes, I can hear you now. Yes, I was about to about to about to put you back on mute, but we're good. So, what's your point? What'd you like to make? I
6: was Hello? No, I was going to talk about I was going to talk about the upcoming
1: election. Okay. Uh,
6: and uh, I just want to say because I'm an independent and I, and I like hearing people's different takes on situations. So, from your perspective, obviously you're a liberal. Uh, what is it about Joe Biden that uh, makes you feel confident that he can actually win in November, outside of people just voting because they don't like Trump?
1: Um, I mean, Joe Biden. I mean, people are. There will be people who will point at Joe Biden's experience and say, Hey, this is this. He has an, He has a. He has experience in government with getting things accomplished. And then there are people who are going to look at Joe Biden and say. He's had 30 years in government, and that's the problem. So that's going to be a debate that's going to happen during the course of this, of this election. Um, I think that, you know, let's, let's, t- let's talk the coronavirus for a second. I believe that Joe Biden, if he were currently president today, which, of course, he's not, but if he was, that he would be listening to experts, that he would be following what the experts wanted us to do, uh, and he would not be less worried about poll numbers uh, and more worried about, Actually, helping people, I, I think. I think he would be more likely to say, uh, "Look, this is a this is a city or, or a state that needs to be you know that, that we need to work with those government officials to help get them put a clamp on and clamp down on what's going on with testing." Um, but instead, you know, you know, we have we have the existing president who has just said that he wants to stop funding to the states for testing at the end of June. And that, that's, I think, that's the biggest problem I think I have with anybody who's still going to vote for Donald Trump. Uh, let's say you just want to ignore all the other problems that I have with Trump, and there are lots. Um, you know, I've told people in 2016, if, if you're going to vote for him, then you can't consider him to be, you can't be considered to be my friend if you're voting for him because of all the horrible things he's done. Ignoring all that. If you have somebody who's in, we're in the middle of a pandemic, we're in the middle of trying to fight this virus that there's no vaccine for, that we had little information on, and and the way to fight this is more information. We need to get more information. And his solution is to stop testing. He admitted it in Tulsa. He wants to he wanted to slow down testing because he it makes him look bad. And at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. It makes him look bad. He is more concerned with how he, how he looks when it comes to the numbers of the tests than about getting results. And at the end of the day, if he was to do all the testing that we could and we put as much resources as we can into testing and making sure that we had valid data so that we knew how to treat this properly. And we would save more lives because we were able to test and see who has it and see what works and what doesn't. At the end of the day, in the long term, he would be viewed at viewed as beings had done a good job, but now he's not going to be viewed as that because he's more concerned about his poll numbers. And and I think that's just one of many examples uh, as to why I believe that a, a Joe Biden presidency would be better than a Donald than a continued Donald Trump presidency because I, I believe in my heart that Joe Biden uh, would be somebody who would listen to the experts and let you know, kind of say, look, this is what the experts are saying. I'm not an expert in virus or pandemics. They are. Let's follow their lead and, and, and give them what they need to get this job done. Um, and, and further there's I could, there's um,
6: kind of push back on, the, on the, what you said about the coronavirus. Now, I was following it closely at the time. When you, when you refer to the experts, you do acknowledge that the forecasting and some of the, the models, especially coming out of the U.K., were totally off. And the, the, what they thought the mortality rate was going to be was far less than it was. And so I would say to you, based on what you knew at the time, because it's easy now to know what we know now and project back to, say, February. But at the time, when would you have decided, for example, to lock down the country? Well, were you going to do it in February when we had, like, only, what, 100-some-odd cases? I mean, when, when would you have done it?
1: Well, first of all, like when, back when Donald Trump said that we had 15 cases, um, we didn't know, we didn't have 15 cases. We had 15 known cases because we didn't start testing. We, did, we, 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 we kind of knew these people had had this virus after the fact, but we didn't have, we, we had more cases than 15 cases. I'm fairly certain that I had it, uh, back in late January, uh, simply because of the fact that I got very sick. And when I went to the doctor, the doctor said at the time, it's not the flu, it's, it, but it's a virus. And the, and now that I look back right, and yeah. see the symptoms that I had, that it was probably the was probably COVID nineteen because yeah me too but they yeah weren't, same, they, we, didn't same, same to, we didn't have the tests available to we didn't right. have the tests available that so we had tests and instead well,
6: the, of the testing wasn't really that good at the time period worldwide I mean it was there was still a lot of issues with testing because they didn't even know how to detect the virus completely I mean I I have, I have friends that work. That nurses and doctors, and they'll tell you about how so many of you were getting false negatives, false positives, because even the testing itself wasn't totally sound, because even the understanding of the virus itself was hard to understand, like actually gauge right. what it but, is, but, how to but detect it did, properly. So, again,
4: what, what, what we've got
6: start going pushing? on now, this, 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 this is where I talk about being objective, this is why I'm an independent, because I notice how Republican and Democrats kind of approach this. Everyone's playing this team thing, instead of just trying to look at the facts. So, in the February... What we knew at the time is far different than what we know now, right? Let's remember the World Health Organization in January was initially saying that you couldn't even pass this person to person. But this was something having to do with contact with, you know, animals and certain things. So the information we were getting as of January in itself was conflicting, not just from the World Health Organization, but even from Fauci himself, who tried to downplay it and said it was comparable to the flu. Now what but i noticed what we, what we had is every, when people politicized it, is the Republicans all of a sudden are spinning it in one way, and Democrats are all spinning it in another way. And the reality of the matter was, we didn't nobody knew anything in March. It was a total guess at that point.
1: Now, the well, nobody knew Trump anything. In, let let me let me let me pause understand. you. Let me I'm going to pause you a second. And I'm going to come back to you. I promise I'll come back to you. But in March, when we knew something, with what we knew in March, we should have known in February because Donald Trump dragged his feet when it came to testing. He he looked at his it's going to go away. It's going to be it's going to go away like a, it's going to disappear like a miracle. He was hoping for a miracle to happen. He was hoping it would go away. He he didn't want to bring people in to the country who were on a cruise ship. He didn't want to let them off the cruise ship because he didn't want the numbers in American cases to be higher than they were because he didn't want he he cared more about how he looked than about keeping people healthy. We should have started aggressively pushing for tests to be made far earlier than we did. I mean, I don't remember the first specific date that Donald Trump said we need to start testing, but we needed to start testing before that. We needed to start looking and making sure that we did that. And, and to get to Suzette's point in the chat real quick, um, Donald Trump, he didn't say it in jest, maybe we should tell him to slow down testing, because Donald Trump was said this afterwards.
4: Mr. President, at that rally when you said you asked your people to slow
3: down testing, were you just kidding or do you have a plan to slow down testing? I don't
2: kid.
1: He doesn't kid. He said he doesn't kid. He was not kidding about telling the people to slow down testing. Now, maybe Fauci never heard that. I I, I believe that perhaps Fauci didn't hear that. Or maybe, again, as I said earlier in the show, maybe Fauci feels that he has to, you know, stroke Trump's ego and not go against him on this little thing uh, because otherwise he doesn't, he'll he get kicked off the team and he won't be able to help with the big things. But what we knew back in January obviously was going to be different than what we know now because we have, we have more information now than we had back in January. The thing is, is that we should have had more information in March than we did because we should have been pushing for more information to be obtained by March. But Donald Trump kept on passing the buck. He kept on saying, What's the state's responsibility? It's a, the states need to be doing the testing. It's the states that need the test. No, the Fed is this is a nationwide pandemic that's going from state to state. You, as the president of this country, need to be a leader and take responsibility. Right? The buck used to stop there at the quote resolute desk. The buck used to stop there, doesn't. He passes the buck. He does not want to take responsibility for anything bad that happens under his watch, and he wants to take responsibility for good things that happen that are done by other people. He, it's, that is, just the truth, and and I, and I and I challenge anybody to to say otherwise, because he is not taking responsibility. He's like, oh, we do the most testing. Well, it's the most testing, but it's not the most testing per capita. We, we could have if we have if we're doing two times the testing, but have ten times the population. We're, we're five times worse than what the other nation has, was doing. We need to make sure, and I'm going to bring you back on the phone for a second. We need to make we need to, we needed to at that point needed to make sure that that we had the resources available to do extreme testing to to go there. the simple that he should have been wearing a mask this entire time but he didn't feel that he looked good wearing a mask if I, i i fully believe that if donald trump would have got out there and said i think it's the responsibility of every american citizen to wear a mask because it'll help prevent protect people from spreading the virus from one person to another and he set the example by wearing a mask all the time and they didn't fight back against it that many of his supporters would have said you know what that's a good idea let's follow you mr president full speed ahead And then and that and and we would have that that would have probably been that could have been one thing that he could have done, which would have made this whole situation a lot better by setting the example and acting in a way that everybody else should have been acting. We would not be seeing the kickback that we see currently to wearing masks because the people who are currently against wearing masks. (laughs) <laughs> because they want to, you know, they, because Trump's not doing it, would no longer have the will to do it, and everybody else who wants to listen to the scientists be like, well, the scientists are saying the wear the masks, so we're going to wear the masks. So that's ultimately he keeps passing the buck. He he's not taking responsibility. He's not doing what needs to be done. I fully believe that, you know, Joe Biden, doing a lot of his campaigning from his basement, that's setting an example. That's saying, look. I'm not going to go out and put people oh, at
6: risk. Oh, come on now. Oh, yeah. come on. You don't no, think like that's an example? In his, Biden's in his basement, not to set an example. He's in his basement because his campaign knows the less the public sees him, the less the public hears him, he does better in the polls because he's a gaffe machine, just like Trump. The problem with Biden is that when he makes his gaffes, his gaffes are a sign of early stage dementia, which anyone can see. I mean, it's obvious. You can tell the guy's got mental issues. But that, that's not Biden's an example. In fact, I didn't like the fact that Biden virtual signaled all the time where he would, like, go out of his way to have a mask or, like, in situations where it wasn't even necessary, he would have it on. Like when he did that press conference from his home, that virtual town hall, the guy was in his own house by himself. He, like, literally had a mask on, takes it off just at the beginning just to show he had it on, not because it was necessary or, like, when he went to the memorial, the Veterans Memorial uh, back on Memorial Day. And it was him and, like, maybe his wife and I think two other people. And they were wearing a mask in public when it's, like, when they've all been tested. And it's, like, that's not the point of wearing a mask. And it's, like, you got, you got people that virtually say no for the sake of it. And this is the part where I don't like about the Democrats. This is, where, this is where I kind of question some of their, quote, unquote, leadership if they were in that position. And we saw it in states like Michigan where there was total overreach. And there was there was a there was a lockdowns that were almost completely unnecessary. Like I don't agree that we should have had a nationwide lockdown to the extent they had it. It should have been targeted. It should have been targeted. You know, quarantines on people who are at risk, like the elderly, people who had pre you know preconditions that would have been more it would have been more susceptible to dying from the coronavirus. And the studies out of USC,
1: which I don't know if you've seen, out of USC and Stanford. But let me, to the point let me stop earlier, you there. Let me let me let me stop you there for a second because we okay. didn't know how susceptible people would be. Because, again, we didn't know about the virus, so we couldn't take that risk to let, to let people go out there. You know, we had a country, Sweden, go, well, we're going to try for the whole herd immunity thing. And they, they failed. It failed. It did not work. Their cases are going up and their death rates going up because they tried to, to, to get herd immunity by only putting the sick people and, and the and the um, immunocompromised people. Oh, keeping we, them... we don't
6: know if herd immunity has failed or not because – In America, and this is the point you mentioned earlier, and I agree with the point you made earlier, that coronavirus was here earlier than we thought. And in the case of California, this is why I cite the USC study, is that, to your point, there was a major spike in people having these strange flu-like conditions as early as October and November. And doctors then had no idea what it was, just like how your doctor couldn't identify it at the time as a coronavirus, but it was obviously some type of strange illness. And the USC study showed that they believe that in California, if I'm not mistaken, it's something around the range of more than 4 million people have had it based on what they saw from November and October and December. And what I, I agree with the point earlier really made also is that I, I had similar symptoms as well, just like yourself, that were identical to everything that the, that the CDC laid out as far as symptoms to look for. And so what I think we've actually had happen is that most of the countries already had it. We just, haven't, we just haven't been able to detect or know what it was early on. So I think what we're witnessing we're realizing now and we're going to find out is that the mortality rate is going to be so much lower than anyone thought. I mean, we know and the mortality rate is dropping now, especially for people under 60. Now, that's, that's why I and, and said and we didn't and, need to have a nationwide lockdown, which literally destroyed the economy and put 40 million people unemployed. We should have had and a target well, quarantine. That's, because, and and you, you do know, the even even, Donald even Donald Trump Trump in February and March, is. we knew it at the time that people over yeah. 60 were
1: more susceptible right you, that was a fact we knew that then and people well, that are over certain 60 health tend to be well, hold on hold on people over 60 tend to be more susceptible to any disease i mean because they're over 60 and that's just that's just a yeah. medical fact but i'm, I'm but, talking but about mortality that, wise we're talking about but, at risk but, of
4: dying.
1: right but but had donald trump what here, here's here's just the amazing thing about donald, about what you just said let's say you're right and let's say more people had it and the mortality rate of this is much lower than than we think it is because we would have done more testing. <clears throat> Donald Trump could have proved that, and 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 could have, have could have come out of the come out of the quarantine at the end of March, beginning of April, mid-April for Easter, like he wanted to do. And there's but, no
6: way he could have came out in April. You know that everyone would have jumped if, down and started and attacked him.
1: If we would have, he, started, he if would, would have started, if we would have started doing a full quarantine, wait, hold on. Bed. I'm, I'm going to pause you again because I want to yeah, get against it. If he would have cause to do if he would have started to do a full court press on testing and make then pushing up, ramping up testing, ramping up development on tests, ramping up development on antibody tests, ramping ramping up development on vaccines, we would have had more, we could have had more information by March, and to be able to make determinations, to, even if it wasn't a full coming out of it by by Easter or the end of April or what have you, we could have maybe been you know targeted other areas to say okay, because look. In New Orleans and Louisiana, we actually were a hot spot for a moment, and we took the extreme measures, and we clamped down on it, and we got it under control. Problem now in New Orleans in Louisiana and the areas around us is that the people are getting antsy, and they want to go back to work and stuff like that. And I understand that you want to go back to work and stuff like that, but we're now seeing cases go back up again because people aren't listening. Our mayor basically just yelled at us today because nobody's listening. Nobody's continuing to do the things that I needed to do to stop the stop the continuation. And, and I do want to talk about one thing that Suzette thing Suzette said in the chat. And then I do want to talk about the last thing. So if we have time, I'll come back to it. Either that or we can discuss uh, more of the COVID stuff next week, but I do want to do some work to do tonight after the show. And I do want to discuss this one of the topic uh, that I plan to discuss on this show, which is the topic of the show, which is the whole Matt Cates thing. Uh, but Suzette in the chat said, the expert says COVID-19 was not contagious. Then the expert said, yes, they're very contagious. Masks won't help. Masks, now everyone wants to wear one. Here's the thing about the masks. The the masks won't help article that everybody shares is from March. Again, we know more now than we, know, than we knew in March. The article that everybody cites and everybody links to when they talk about what people said in March was talking about whether or not people should be wearing the N95 masks, because back then there were shortages of the N95 masks, and we wanted to make sure that those N95 masks, which can help prevent the wearers from getting the virus, we wanted to make sure that those masks were available for those first responders. So that's why they were encouraging people not to wear the, those specific N95 masks. Then later on, they said, look, and, and we also, once we start going back out in public, and we should consider wearing face coverings. And they said masks instead of face coverings because, One would hope to think that people will understand by the context of the discussion that we're having that we're not talking about N95 unless we specifically bring up N95. And look, the article from back in March didn't in the title say N95, but in the meat of the article, it said the N95 masks. But the recommendations by the experts to wear the face coverings, wear the masks, i.e. the face coverings, uh, to prevent the spread of the disease and not to necessarily keep you from getting it, but to keep you from passing it to anybody else if you have it. That still stands, and it's not contradictory to do so. And that's the thing in this country is that we need to be able to learn from information. We need to be able to not put, well, did experts say this in March and say this in April? Yes. I fully expect experts to say something to this month, and then next month they, they might say something different if they get more information. The problem is, is that, again, we have a president who, wants, who just announced today that he wants to cut funding to, for state testing. He doesn't want to pay for state testing. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. that he, and, and again, I'll play it again. He, this is what he said in the rally.
2: Here's the bad part. When you test a, when you do testing to that extent, you're going to find more people. You're going to find more cases. So I said to my people, slow the testing down, please.
1: And, and then in response. At
3: that rally, when you said you asked your people to slow down testing, were you just kidding, or do you have a plan to slow down testing? I don't
2: kid.
1: He doesn't kid. He doesn't kid. He was not joking when he told his people, whoever he told, he didn't say who he told, but whoever he told, he said, we need to slow down testing. Not because the only reason to slow down testing is because he's worried about how the numbers make him look. There's no reason to slow down testing otherwise, because we need more information. We need more facts. We need more evidence to be able to look. And look, I would love for there to be so much testing and to say, look, this, if we we were able to test everybody, and make sure that, you know, okay, let's do contact tracing. Let's do all the stuff that the experts want to be able to do to be able to make sure that, you know, if we were to show that this death rate is like 0.05% or less than that, let's say we were able to say, okay, all these people have it, and not as many people are dying as we thought because we're not just testing the people in hospitals. We're testing everybody. We're testing everybody. We're doing a full court press on testing. We could come out of this quicker if it was shown that the mortality rate is not as high as people was concerned that it would be. But because we didn't have the information, we had to play it safe and sorry. So let's, uh, let's flip back uh, to the topic at hand again, which is the topic of the episode with uh, the title of the episode, which is gate is gate, which back last week, you had uh, Senator center commission and they were discussing the issues pertaining to uh, policing and black lives matter. And these are this some of the points, the back and forth between Cedric, Cedric Richmond and Gates. I
2: am absolutely sitting here offended and angry as hell. And I want to explain to my, what we always say is how we refer to each other, my good friends on the other side. By the time I'm finished, you will be clear that we are not good friends. I am not interested and moving at a snail's pace. I am not interested in a watered-down bill that mandates nothing. I'm not interested in studying Antifa. I'm not even interested in studying the Klan or sovereign citizens right now because that is not the imminent threat that black men face on a daily basis. And right now, too often, it is law enforcement, those who were sworn to protect and to serve. And so all we're asking today is to deal with that. I don't mind dealing with other pieces of legislation. I don't mind dealing with other issues that you all may have. And and what I don't want to leave this conversation with, and why I'm speaking now instead of later, is because I don't want you all to leave here saying, well, we didn't know. We didn't know that's how you felt, Cedric. I want it to be crystal clear, and I will give you the benefit of the doubt that it is an unconscious bias that I'm hearing, because at worst it's conscious bias, and that I would hate to assume from any of the people on the other side. Will the gentleman yield? Sure.
1: And at that that point, uh, you wind up having Richmond um, basically predicting what was going to happen, uh, because he knew he was, the people were about to be pissed off at him. So here's 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 a Gates comment.
6: I appreciate your passion. Are you suggesting that
5: you're certain that none of us have non-white children?
1: And the thing, this is the point where everybody started scratching their heads. They started scratching. They're like, well, wait a second. Gates doesn't have children. What? what what is what is he doing is he talking on behalf of other people why why is he making this a big deal and we get this exchange Be,
5: because you you reflected on your black son and you said none of us could understand man
1: man stop
2: i'm not about to get sidetracked about the color of our children we're talking no, about said, black ki- so i reclaimed my time you said that you, i reclaimed my time i know you Want
0: the discussion i know that gentlemen
2: reclaimed his time I said I can reclaim my time. I already know that there are people on the other side that have uh, black grandchildren. It is not about the color of your kids. It is about black males, black people in the streets that are, are getting killed. And if one of them happens to be your kid, I'm concerned about him too. And clearly I'm more concerned about him than you are. So let's you, be clear you're, about you're that. Claiming, so you're claiming you have more I am, concerned for my family than I do? Who in the hell the do gentlemen, you think you are? Gentlemen, if, if the, the gen- shoe fits. We gentlemen, we'll kick this dog high
5: You should take those words down. I've to care about sus- your family and love your family. The gentleman the win, will damn suspend.
2: It. The gentleman will suspend. The time belongs to the gentleman from Louisiana. Cedric, would you yield to was, was that a nerve?
1: Yeah. You did a to the gentleman
2: from Louisiana.
1: And this is, again, everybody's sitting there like, what the hell? Why is he getting so animated? Why is Gates getting so... Somebody was like, Matt Gates doesn't have any kids. I want to say it was a conservative Twitter account that pointed out, why is Gates getting so frustrated about this? He does not have any children. And I had to isolate this one because this is just... Was that a nerve? Was that a nerve? That's just... I'm gonna have to keep that one for, for future podcasts because if someone gets really pissed off or angry at me for saying whatever I say, I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to play. Was that a nerve? Because it's just great. It's, it's like back with my old radio show when I had a radio show on on 990, the same show, the same channel that I talked about earlier today, um, and the former congressman uh, that was the previous congressman before Cedric Ritzman, um, Joseph Gow. Uh, he, we were at a town hall, and he was insisting. He was insisting that a portion of the legisl- of the Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, said one thing, and I was like, "No, you you have listened to the Liberty Council about this. You're wrong. It is not. It is not about you know death panels. This is about cost sharing. Where how much how much uh, co-payments uh, or what percentage of your premiums uh, can be used to." Uh, have to be used in order to cover your uh, payments whatever your, your services that you pay for and how much additional cost sharing can insurers put on you and he was like you are much much smarter than I am this is what he said you are much much smarter than I don't oh fly catch uh, okay we'll get back to that in a second about the whole police kill more whites than blacks so we know we talked about that on the show early today uh, you should listen from the from the beginning of the show. <laughs> I I'll, I'll I'll re I'll rehash that in a second if I have time. Um anyway, so again, people were shocked that Gates was getting so animated over this thing. Well, then come to find out Let's listen to a little clip uh live from or that was live from Gates's parents' house.
6: As you guys can see, uh, I've got my my helper
1: Nestor here. I'm at my parents' house uh, out in Walton County. Uh, we, I've got my son, my helper Nestor his s- helper, so he was about to say, and he admitted it. He was about to say son, but instead, excuse me, he was about to say son, but he then went to helper. Why would you call your son your helper? Why would you keep your child a secret? Regardless of if it's, if it's biological, the person is it. If the person is a biological child or not, why is this person a secret? This is some of the problems with politicians. And look, left and right, this is not just a conservative thing. This is a politician thing. This is why people don't trust politicians because you have something as innocuous as adopted. And he he came out today and said he did not officially adopt. Nestor. So Nestor is not officially his son, but the relationship is that he is raising him in, in the absence of other parentage. Why not just say it? You know, otherwise there's, oh, here's this kid when he's 15 acting as a page, or maybe 16, I don't know, I think you have to be 16 in order to be a page. So why why was it the big secret? Why is having a child? Why is, if, 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 if the story that he's saying is legitimately true, if the story is legitimately true, and he was just doing a good deed, who would care? No one would care. Not one bit. And then everybody would have understood, potentially, why Cedric Richmond, or why he why that reaction was received by Cedric Maybe that altercation would have never taken place, because people have been like, oh, well, Gates does have a son who's Hispanic who might have to deal with similar issues as such we're not going to question whether or not Gates knows about it or not but it was a secret so now because it was a secret people are going to ask questions and that's that's why people ask questions is because that's why people are are, are wondering what the hell's going on here because there's no reason to keep it a secret I mean Suzette I, I, I call it Often I'll call my son when he helps out around the house, I'll call him a useful engine uh, to, to cite Thomas the Tank Engine, A, because his name is Thomas, B, because uh, he loved Thomas the Tank Engine, when, Thomas and Friends, when he was growing up. It's so much so that he named his – when asked what we should name his little brother, he came up with Henry, which is another train from Thomas the Tank Engine. He initially said Percy but he had a little bit of a speech impediment back then, and we didn't think Percy would translate well. Um, so, uh, but yeah, but I mean, little kids like to be referred to as helper. I don't know if Nestor at Nestor's age in that video, which looked maybe about 15, 16, 17, maybe older. I'm not exactly sure how old Nestor was in that video, but I don't think he would have cared if he would have been referred to as, 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 as something other than helper. And if the relationship really is father son, why not just say son? Why not? Why hide it? There's no reason to hide it, not one bit. Um, people can protect their children from being subjected to the media by, but but you don't have to do so that in a way that hides it. I mean, we, we can know that you have kids as don't parade your. If you you can, there are politicians who don't parade their kids out about all over the place. And who just said, look, I love my family. These are my kids. They're part of my life, but I'm not going to use them as political props or what have you. I'm not going to bring them out with me on the campaign trail. I'm just, I'm not going to subject them to that. And then people often leave them alone, left or right. Again, I did talk about earlier in the show about how, um, about the thing with um, Barron Trump, with the uh, game show host said some comment that was, you know, ridiculous. But, you know, again, but again, Trump puts his other children out there, but his other children are all adults. So, but Nestor is an adult too. So if Nestor's an adult, because he's 19 years old right now, again, why is it a secret? And that you have to keep such a thing that should be a pretty big thing a secret makes us question that there are other things that you have to hide. So, oh, we got six minutes left. So let's let's recap for Flycatch, who, who apparently missed my point at the beginning of the show, which was that he says, the FBI database shows that the police kill more black, more white people than black people. Yes, in 2018 there was about I think 300 off the top of my head about 380 white people were killed versus like maybe 270 black people or maybe it was 370 280 somewhere around there a little bit over a hundred so 50 there was about 50 percent more maybe there was a little bit less black people killed but it was it was roughly 50 percent more white people were killed than black people in 2018 black people the amount of black people in the nation there's six times more white people than black people so if white people are killed 50 percent more than black people on, on, on the whole numbers but white people represent six times the population that means that there is disproportionate killings of black people in this country that's how numbers work that's how you figure it out you are a liberal, so why do you care about a Republican says about his private life? Because this Republican is trying to have a say and trying to, 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 is involved in a committee hearing about how people of color are being treated in this country by policing. And he believes that he has something important to say in, in that conversation, but yet is unwilling to share why he has something important to say in that conversation i think if you if you're going to say this is what i have to say about this conversation then guess what we need to maybe know what your bona fides are we need to understand what you're bringing to the table where does your knowledge on this subject come from if you're going to inject points to the conversation you you have to be like okay well i'm bringing up points because either the experts i'm citing or you have to bring up, okay, this is this is what I understand because this is the lived life experience of myself or my family. Uh, you know, first of all, fly catch. I need to uh, – I mean, Democrats don't have – first of all, Suzette, let's talk to Suzette. De- Democrats do not have a corner of the market. I'm sure Tim Scott, who is a Republican senator, has had his fair share of incidents with the police, and it's one of the reasons why he's probably the one that's out there um, – trying to lead, trying to give the Republican point of view because I'm sure he's dealt with with police issues because it doesn't matter how famous you are, you can have problems based simply on your skin color. And as I read before, um, when it comes to shooting unarmed people, skin color is the factor that causes, not threat levels, but skin color of what causes people. Now, flycatch, I, w- I will say this. 2020, let's not refer to Black people as, quote, Blacks, first of all. If you refer, you know, Suzette once asked me, how do I know that somebody is a white supremacist? Earlier on the show, is walking like a duck, or talking like a duck, quacking like a duck, you're a duck. If somebody says Blacks, that's going to tell me that that person might be a little bit racist because Blacks. Yeah, no, this is 2020. Stop saying Blacks say something I'll say black people. Say black people. Because they're people. So bring up the fact that they're people. Will you say whites. Well fine. If, if I if you catch me saying whites, I'll say white people. That should be fair enough. Um you know plenty of white Democrats have no credit of color, but it's okay for them to talk about black lives experiences. When you know what I you know I talk about the things in my podcast that I do when it comes to black lives matter and it comes to racial inequality, racial injustice uh, policing, you know, I'm not doing so because of my personal life experience. I'm doing so because I'm citing the experiences of other people. Critically said, criticized Cedric Richmond for saying, for, for questioning if the people in the committee might not have kids of color. And my, my, my first thing, when he, when Gates said that, and I saw Gates say that, I was like, ooh, does Gates have a secret, like, on the down low kid on the side? Did he knock somebody up and not tell anybody? Scandalous. Turns out that's not he didn't knock anybody up and tell people about it. But he did have a secret kid, that's for darn sure. And, and, and again, so we will definitely talk about this. Uh, yeah, the scar from Nancy Pelosi was was made fun of by many black people that I follow on Twitter. So that was not lost on every on on anybody. Sometimes white folks can be a bit ridiculous when it comes to them trying to show how big of an ally that you can be. Sometimes just being a big ally just involves amplifying what people are saying when it comes to um, the issues that are important to them. And that's what I try and do with this show. But we are one minute out from the show. end, so we're going to go ahead and end it for this week. And We will continue this next week if y'all want to. I welcome y'all to come back 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be here. We will discuss this issue and many others. Until next week, you can follow me at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan, LiberalDan.com. Support the Patreon, Patreon.com slash Liberal Dan, and check out the mini cast on Anchor.fm slash Liberal Dan as well. Until next week, 8 p.m. Central, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right.